Hey, welcome to Season 1, Episode 16 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. And I am Aaron Sandemeyer, and I will be your host. Today we have the uh, phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Dr. Susie Tasker-Weaver. Um, we go way back, and uh, as you probably put in connections there, um, we interviewed her son Jeff um, last week, two weeks ago, and he was on the podcast and provided some great insight. And um, just as this is a great conversation I have uh, with Dr. Susie, it's specifically on self-leadership and um, gathering her wisdom and insight from her story. Um, as I said, we go way back. She was my, uh, far as his youth and growing up in church. And then when I was Hark the Herald Angel in the uh, Christmas play at the church, she was the, one of the directors of that. And then uh, her and my mom were, were close friends. And so just, she was my nursing, one of my first nursing professors when I went to school. And she was there to teach me how to put a NG tube or nasogastric tube down somebody's, um, uh, into somebody's stomach and uh, many lessons. Uh, uh, I remember her teaching us about the uh, procordial thud and when thump when you would hit somebody if their heart stopped. And so anyway, wealth of information, great insight, and a great interview just to sit down with her and learn. She is now um, serving at Southeastern University, is the um, head of the nursing department there. And uh, she's started with her, her one of her colleagues covenant counseling ministry in Cumberland Maryland which Jeff is now leading and um, she has vast experience she has um, great insight and um, she knows about self-leadership because going back to get her her advanced degrees advanced studies she was working full-time raising a family um, involved in church and traveling back and forth a long distance that was um, in those days online education wasn't as readily as available and um, and so she was doing a lot of travel and to get her advanced degrees and um, she's just she's led on multiple levels at high levels in education and um, and so and then starting a business and running a business to minister to those people people's spiritual needs and combining biblical um, basis with psychological theory and understanding so we could see healthy and whole people um, in our in life and mission so we just enjoy um, sitting down with Dr. Susie today so there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Welcome to the Clarity Podcast. We're so excited to have Dr. Susie with us today and uh, looking forward to um, learning from her, her wisdom, her experience, and her insight. Um, Susie and I go way, way back, and uh, she might talk a little bit about that, that, those stories um, in the podcast today. But wanted to have her on the podcast because she is a, a female leader that's leading at a very high level, has a lot of um, a lot of education, a lot of educational experience, and uh, I believe she was going to she is going to add great value to our listeners and to this podcast. So, Dr. Susie, could you just share a little bit about yourself to the, about yourself for the listeners um, that might not know you as well as I do? Okay, well, it's a privilege and an honor for you to ask me to do this podcast from over here in the good USA, but um, actually. I, I have a hard time tooting my own horn, but in leadership, you have to do that. You have to learn to do that. And uh, I've known Aaron all his life, actually before he was even here. I've known his mom and, and dad forever. 
Um, but as far as I'm, I'm concerned in my professional background, I became a nurse in, back in, in the 70s, 1970s. And uh, just one step after another step, the Lord directed me into administration. And then uh, I was a critical care nurse for 15 years. And in all of that, I found that there were many hurting people in the world. And I was seeing a lot of that in critical care areas in nursing and did not have the background at that point because until the 1990s, we didn't know much about uh, psychiatric nursing, psychiatric medication, but in the 1990s, it was the decade of the brain and um, I decided that I was gonna pursue psychiatric nursing and that is a far extreme from critical care because in critical care, you're pumping on chest, saving lives every day almost. And then in psychiatric nursing, you're sitting there going, mm-hmm, tell me more about that. <laughs> so it's kind, of, it's kind of strange how it all came about. But God, in our minds, is strange because yeah. we don't see his leading and guiding in forefront. You know, yeah. we can look back. I look back now and go, everything I've ever done in nursing, in administration, in uh, leading church kids groups. Honestly, um, it has been something that has led me to this point in my life. So I went back to the University of Maryland, got my master's degree in psychiatric nursing, even with a, a co-worker, founded and established a mental health clinic in Maryland. And even in that organizational development, I was lacking. So I went back to school again and got my doctorate in educational leadership. And that gave me the open doors where God was able to open other doors uh, for me. And I, I have always looked to him for guidance and direction in every step of my career path. And then uh, he has led me to Southeastern where years ago, I would say back in 2004, um, I came down, met with Dr. Rutland, who was the president then, said Southeastern needs a nursing program, and they were all great, grand, and glorious running for it, and then stuff happened as life happens to all of us, and things were put on hold, and then it wasn't but, oh, probably 10 to 12 years later when I actually found out that Southeastern had started a nursing program. It was on the very beginning um, phases of their curriculum and everything. And I was at a point in my life where I just needed a change, felt that change. And God always urges that in me by getting um, discouraged or disappointed or whatever where I am. And then I'm going, okay, God, what's next? So looking forward, that's how I've recognized God's hand in my life. That's and um, so I applied for just a teaching position, and it wasn't three months later when I got accepted, moved from Maryland to Florida for the teaching position, they asked me to become the director. So God's hand has been in every developmental phase of my leadership um, career in nursing. It's yeah. all nursing and God. And yeah. I look back at many times, Aaron, those times when we were leading kids groups at church 
or, you know, little productions. And I mean, they were little productions, but they were productions nonetheless, yeah. has allowed me to even bring that to my current position. And um, nursing pinning ceremonies are extremely important to graduates. And those productions have been a part of what we did back when you were a child. That's right. And join uh, <laughs> those productions. So everything, I look back and say, oh, okay, God, you did that. I did that. You led me there. And it's all coming to fruition now. So never be disappointed in maybe what we think are small things at the time. Yeah. But God will use those small things always yeah. in the future for his up. Uh, up, um, upbringing up, yeah. you know, for creating glory, for uh, sure. more of a king for his kingdom and his, yeah. his glory. What you, what Susie's left out is her, she gave you the brief version. Um, but she was, <laughs> she, she would have, you were before when you were going to get your doctorate master's degree, you were driving back and forth to school, correct? You were, so it oh, wasn't, yes. you weren't, it wasn't technology. So it was a, you were working a full-time job. You had covenant counseling ministry and you were also, um, going to your for your education furthering your education so a lot right. of uh a lot of where did you find your perseverance and then and then personally you went through some transitions um at that time too how did you how were you able to keep persevere through that when you seemingly from the outside you you, you kept running up to barriers and challenges how were you able to persevere through that susie i th the answer is very short you run to god I've, I've cried many of tear. I have been on my knees. I asked God, I fight with God. Now he always wins, Aaron, but yeah. you know, me as a fighter, I think there's an inbred part of resilience and mm -hmm. perseverance, but, and I owe that to my brother because honestly, I made it through my childhood because <laughs> just continually yeah. uh, was tormenting me and things yeah. like that. I have an 11 year older brother that uh, just you either live or die, one yeah. or the other. But, but there's a part of genetics that I think gives us that perseverance. But then life situations, when they hit you, where do you go? Yeah. You know, I can't even imagine. I mean, I was saved when I was 14, thank God. But I can't imagine um, life without God and running to Him and all the tears and all of the, the, you know, tr trauma that life brings to all of us at some point in time. Yeah. And that's the short answer. Go to God. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that you mentioned when you were, you were sharing, you, you said, um, you know, you don't like the tutor and horn and you, you know, commonly in, in females, in females in leadership, males, um, when we walk into a room at times, we, we do that. And it's ex accepted, almost expected that, that a male in leadership is going to give you his pedigree and his and da, 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 da. But, but sometimes in females, there's a hesitancy to do that. Do you see a difference there, Susie, or is that just my opinion as a male? And how do you... How have you, you've had to overcome that because you've led in public universities. Now you're leading it in Christian universities and you've had to, um, you've gained the respect and, and how have you done that? And how could you encourage our female leaders in that, in that area? Well, honestly, you have got to believe in yourself, mm -hmm. um, putting it on paper or 
always out there, like what I said, tooting your own horn is one thing, but you have got to believe in yourself. And that is being Jesus. There was an old book that I, I read years and years ago uh, from Laurie Beth Jones. It's called Jesus, comma, CEO. Mm-hmm. And it's from a female leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just took Jesus and broke down his life. And one of the things that he had, I mean, he wasn't arrogant with his, um, with his leadership. He was never that. Um, but sometimes we think that in order to stand up and say, I have done this, I am this, or whatever, that seems to be arrogant. Yeah. But arrogance um, is a lack of self-confidence, not self-belief. Hmm. And what I think we have to do is look like Jesus did and say, okay, I'm confident that this is where God has allowed me or brought me or has um, taken me. You know, Aaron, all the way through from my beginning of nursing school through this last transition, and I'm saying last transition uh, with a little smirk on my face, (laughs) maybe not a last transition, but this last um, most recent transition in life, I have always taken it to the Lord going, okay, God, if you want me to go through this door, then you open it. I had to initially, when I went through nursing, I had young children and a husband that was not very supportive. And honestly, I had to pray through that all the time. And I think that is what we have to do, but we have to be confident in in ourselves. That's part of good self-stewardship It's Mm -hmm. not just about finances and money, but also where God is leading us. Hmm. And um, sometimes we have to ask God, you know, show me. I know when we transitioned from Maryland to uh, Florida, I was like, okay, God, this is what I need to know Mm -hmm. before I make this move. Because there's going to be times, there's always, always going to be times in new transitions where God brings us, that it's going to be difficult. And during those difficult times, we have to know that God has brought us to this place. And um, so I I said to the Lord before we moved, we had to sell a house. Um, We had a few houses that renters had and things like that. I had a business up there. I, all of that had to come together And Aaron, honestly, as we prayed and kept bringing it before the Lord, the house, the realtor told us that one of the houses that we had to sell in order to move was not going to be sold for six months and we weren't going to get the money out of it that we needed to get. And we said, okay, just put it on the market. This is what we need. This is what we have to have. And it came through in two weeks. Wow. So those are kinds of things that even today, when I come up against difficult things, I go back and go, but God, you have done this. I know this is, this is real. This is where you want me to be. You have to have that confidence. And the confidence isn't so much in us as it is in him leading us. And that's where the confidence lies. Jesus knew who he was um, and he walked in it. 
he believed in himself and he carried out his life that way. And I am hoping that I do that most often in my life. I mean, I don't pretend near to be what Jesus is, but his life is an example to me. For sure. You talked, just to go a little bit deeper, on self, self-belief and self-confidence. How do we, how do we differentiate, is, how do we differentiate that? Could you go just a little bit deeper on that as far as how, you, how do you differentiate the two? Um, and if we, we have one and don't have the other, or we have one and don't have the other, um, can that lead us to places we, we don't want to be? Um, you have a unique set of skills and background, and you've shared that because you have, you understand the, 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 our psychology, and then you, you understand leadership, and obviously you're, you love, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And to put those three things together is, is very rare um, and very uncommon. And so when we look at that, when you mentioned that, and then you talked about self and stewardship, that a lot of times we, we, we don't think of that as stewardship. Those were powerful points um, that hit me. Could you go just a little bit deeper on, on in that area? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think that stewardship has been sold a bill of goods because of finances, but it's more about our time, our energy, our confidence in knowing who we are at that moment, always striving for to be perfect. On this side of heaven, none of us are going to be reach that perfection. But God says in his word, we are to strive for mm. it. And until the Lord takes me out and brings me home, I'm going to strive for perfection. But that means that even if I had, and at one time here, and I had a very low Mm self-esteem, but our self-esteems are very much established and resistant to change by the age of eight. Mm. And that, that blows our minds because here we are as adults and we're going, hmm, now if my self-esteem was established and I really had nothing to do with it or little to do with it, then what? what do I have to live life with a low self-esteem or do I, um, how do I improve myself? Yeah. And I think first and foremost, you have to grasp that. And then you have to go, okay, there is that scripture that says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, but when I became a man or a woman, I put away childish things. Now that, Aaron, to me, is something that I grasped long, long, long time ago, that it's not just toys. It's not just putting away childish behaviors, although some of us carry childish behaviors into (laughs) our adult life, but it is always striving to put away those things that were established in us from, you know, passed down from generation to generation. We do no longer have to do that. Hmm. You know, we don't have to, to live in a low self-esteem. So I have fought that probably all of my life. That's probably why women per se and females, we've not been that um, high up on the hierarchy of any place, anywhere, anything. Now we've come a long way from the days of Jesus, but Jesus gave us that freedom, you know, and we need to know who we are as a female and appreciate 
that, not try to implement or emanate uh, a male version mm -hmm. in ourselves. So I've tried to stay female and um, tried to stay in that realm where God has made me to be and still improve myself, not by putting others down, mm -hmm. not by trying to, um, I don't know, pat myself on the back all the time, but know who God has, uh, is in my life. And I'm a child of the King. And I've always had to do that because yeah. my self-esteem initially was very low, yeah. but I work on it daily. So I would say to females, work on your self-esteem, but that doesn't mean that we have to become a male version yeah. of anything. Yeah. We are appreciated and loved for who we are as females. And we need to walk with our heads up. I yeah. think there's a part of self-confidence that when you walk into a room, you have your head up. You, you know, speak when you're spoken to, you do all the leadership qualities that most leaders are taught. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to take over and push people out of the way or that kind of thing. And so that's being a good self steward of your own temple of your own body. And then it goes into energy levels. Mm -hmm. when you're putting out day after day after day, you need time to go to the beach. You need time to relax. And Jesus is a perfect example of that. You know, he would teach and preach and walk and, and feed the 5,000. And then he said, boys, let's go to the seashore. Yeah. And so he was tired and exhausted, laid his head down in the boat, let them do the rowing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we have got to be good self stewards of our time, our energy, uh, and know when we're getting tired. Yeah. It's really being a lot of self-aware. Self-awareness is important. That's good. Do you think the reason we resist those, that time, you, you talked about time, um, um, downtime, whether that's the beach or whatever we do for, for enjoyment. I like to walk out in my yard, look at my orchids and my kids kind of make fun of me looking at my orchids in the yard. But anyway, it's a time for me, honestly, it's, it's a break, it's a break away. But do you think, as you were talking, do you think we resist those times because we lack self-confidence and we're we're afraid to do that or why do you think we resist in, in leadership we resist a sabbath or we resist downtime or we res resist time to be restored and refreshed and recharged um you see that a lot in leadership do you think that's a lack of self-confidence or that just a just a drive that we don't know how to hone in or rein in or what's been your experience well, Susie? I, th I think really and, and this is just purely my idea about it yeah. is that we are so caught up in working. Uh, it's the Mary Martha syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, but we've got to look at Jesus example, period, end of statement. Uh, we can call it on some people. It's a low self-esteem or lack of self-confidence. Other people are workaholics. Now, let me say this. Aaron, I work myself to death. I <laughs> would probably call myself a workaholic. Okay? Yeah. But I know times that yeah. about every six to eight weeks, I need some time where I'm not thinking about um, much of anything. And I may just read. Yeah. I may just sit and hear, watch TV, 
uh, game shows or something like that, or enjoy a basketball game, sports. I love sports. So I, I watch things that don't make my mind uh, continually think. Yeah. And, you know, relax and, and it's okay to relax. But some people have been brought up with, oh, you're lazy if you take a nap during the day. Well, Einstein took a nap all the time. <laughs> you know, we have got to think about, you know, the words that have been seeded into us from our culture, from our family, from our friends. And we got to go way, way, wait a minute now. I need to see what Jesus did. And yeah. again, I just keep pointing to his example. Yeah, he was God good. in the flesh. He was all human. And so if he had to take time out and God himself, when he made the world, had a Sabbath. I love how you said that, you know, that we're afraid to take a Sabbath. Well, if you don't, you're going to burn out or you're going to rust out. You're going to do something that is not good for the kingdom of God. Yeah, he has given us only so much energy. He has only given us 24 hours a day. And I love that you would go out and look at your orchids. I like to sit and read or listen to other people uh, filling me up yeah. because I give out so much. And that's what we have to watch in ministry, yeah. in nursing, of course. We're always giving. Yeah, it's true. Well, giving out, giving out. Well, who, how are you getting you know, filled back up? Yeah. And what are you getting filled back up with? Those yeah. are questions that we need to think about as we keep restoring. And it is, and, and you talked about the, the, that caring side of nursing and that, and, and whether you're a pastor or nurse, whatever your, your or profession you're in, but it is, it's sometimes, I'll be honest with, for me, it's a little awkward um, because 99% of my time is caring for other people and giving out, giving out. And then when someone turns that um, my direction, it, it's an odd feeling. It really is, um, but at the same time, I know I need it. Um, but it when you're when it's when you're used to the river going one direction, and then it all all of a sudden turns, um, it can be an awkward awkward feeling. But something and God we, is we uh, fight that. Oh we man, we, but you we, know what I would say? Fight it. Yeah. You know, um, any old dead fish swims is able to float downstream. So <laughs> we have to, we have to fight that. Yeah. That's good. That's it's understanding, good. Aaron. It really is understanding um, the word. John 8.32 says, you know, it's understanding or knowing the truth that sets us free. Yeah. It, the truth has always been there. Now, That's good. you know, some people are going, well, this is my truth. Well, yeah. you know what? No, there's only one truth, and that's the word of God, and that's how we have to stand and live yeah. on things. The and it's understanding that we need that time. And when it comes back to us, like yeah. you said, when it's turned on you, that somebody's caring for you, you need to receive it. Yeah, that's good. That's a it good feels word. odd, but it's just the right thing to do. It is. It is. And it, it's part of that being transparent, being vulnerable and being humble. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I think a lot of it for me personally is it, it's a pride thing. 
And I think mm-hmm. that um, at times I'm used to it going one way and, um, you know, it, it, it is humbling, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's just part of, as you said, following Jesus. Susie, what are you in this season of your life? Um, you're leading at a high level. You've led at a high level for the last 20, 25 years. So what are you doing um is there intentional areas that you're pouring into to leaders, whether that's male or females, um, in the for the next generation, and areas that you're excited about um, for the the next generations, whether that is in nursing or in education or certain areas? Are there certain areas that you're investing your life in um, for the future? Right, I'm I'm really tickled you asked that because right now <laughs> I have a very young nursing faculty. Mm-hmm. Have a, in fact, four of the eight of us on our on my faculty right now are first time in the classroom. Okay, instructors. They just came out of their master's program. They love students, but boy, <laughs> do they have a lot to learn yeah. um, about students and and that and the population that they are going to serve in this. They love the Lord, so I am excited. And yet worn out at times because, <laughs> because I'm teaching them not only how academia is, yeah. and we have this, we have our reaccreditation coming up this fall. So they know nothing about yeah. an accreditation, um, nothing, little to nothing. So what I've done is been able to help them attend workshops and teaching them and talking to them and just trying to um, mentor them in their pathway. That's mm-hmm. exciting for me because, you know, I'm not going to be here, you know, teaching forever and a day, but boy, to, to see people get excited about nursing education or nursing education and bringing Christ into the classroom, that is exciting for me. And honestly, even in the secular um, popular, um, public schools that I taught in, of which, you know, uh, I tried to bring Christ in, um, and could do it very easily in nursing, um, and never got caught on it in the public schools. And now it's different. The population is different. And, um, I've had to learn that some of the things that, um, were hitting, and encouraging students in the public school system here was one thing, but now I have to look at mostly our population of students is different. Mm -hmm. And therefore I've had to change a little bit in how my approach to them is. Um, Not that it's not more loving and that kind of thing, but really I have much more freedom to talk about Christ and what he means in their lives as professional nurses. So that's exciting. But mentoring these new nursing faculties, uh, people, that is really um, the exciting part for me right now. Mentoring means to me, an example, I, can I give you one example that just came off? That's, that'd be awesome. Um, Yeah. One of the new faculty members, um, you know, we have rules and regs for the students to live by. And when she was uh, coming into the classroom, her dress was not as appropriate as it should have been. Now, I know we're down here in Florida and it's hot. And, uh, 
was, she was going into the sim lab with uh, just flip-flops on. Yeah. Well, we don't allow students to do that. Yeah. And we don't allow students to come into our labs uh, showing a tattoo or any of that. And so I had a conversation with her about, please cover up the tattoo and please wear closed toe shoes. And it's like, well, why? And I'm, I'm a faculty member. And I said, no, part of your job as a faculty member is to be an example to the students. Yeah. So every time I go into the sim lab, I am in my uniform, not in my dress clothes um, and that kind of thing. It's just those little things that have to be said in loving ways, you know, yeah. not coming down harsh and rude. You know, when you have to correct somebody as a leader, you pro and, and that's hard to do for any leader unless you are an arrogant leader. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say that. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to do because your, your correction is for them to grow and to be better. Yeah. And so in that situation, that has resolved. But it resolved because I said, we are to be examples. You know, I don't do it even as the director. I don't go in. And when I go into sim labs, I'm in my uniform. If I'm in the classroom, I'm dressed appropriately. I do have occasional days where I dress down. But I'm trying to show them just by, I think Dr. Hackett said it well, more is caught than taught yeah, in our classrooms. So good. if you're an example in just the way you live, the way you yeah. present yourself, I think that goes a long way for leadership. But I think yeah. that's what Jesus did too. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. those kinds of things. And that's just a little example that just no, came a couple weeks ago. Um, but now she's going to fly with that. And then how we treat students and understanding them, loving them, but setting good boundaries. Yeah. Oh, boundaries are very important for all of us. And that means setting good boundaries again around ourselves. Again, yeah. it goes back to self-stewardship. That's good. So just we'll, we'll go one last question and then I'm going to ask you to pray for pray for the audience. Okay. You talked a little bit um, there about having that difficult conversation and um, you said you needed to talk with her or, and about this situation. You said, you know, it was it's only fun to have those conversations if you're arrogant, an arrogant leader. <laughs> I think that's is what you said. But for for those of us that are not arrogant leaders or we're trying not to be arrogant leaders, how did you find clarity to have that conversation? And did, how did you, do you look at certain uh, a timing thing? How did you go about that so that it, you did everything you could that it was received well? Because I think sometimes in leadership, um, I've made the mistakes in the past. You know, I want to have a conversation and just, and have it and get it over with. But a lot of mm -hmm. times it was not the right time. It, I was not in the, I was not being self-aware enough. I was allowing my emotions to take care. So with your experience and your background and your understanding of the human brain and emotions and all that, how do you approach a difficult conversation like that? Well, I think like you said, we've learned some of that just by the bad experiences. Yeah. I've had those times where it wasn't the opportune time, but because of experience uh, teaches us a lot of that, but I look for opportunities. Yeah. And I, and I, if I know that it's going to be a hard conversation, I do put it before the Lord and say, God, open the opportunity up so that I can just step in 
because it needs to be taken care of pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Nothing is as urgent as we think it might be at the mm, moment, good. you know? And so we, sometimes we have to sit on it for 24 hours um, so that our emotions can get out of the picture a little bit. So the hard conversations are not always, I guess the, the term is urgent. You know, yeah. it's not as urgent and it's not life and death. I'm not coding a person today, you know, by yeah. doing it, but I'm teaching. And yeah. with that teaching comes a voice tone. Mm -hmm. um, uh, love sandwich style is how I try to do it. And by that, I mean, if we are eating a sandwich, we have two pieces of bread and we have meat in between. Yeah. And when we're doing a, um, a hard conversation, I want to say something positive. That's my first piece of bread yeah. is something positive about the person. I will say, you know, I love having you on faculty. You're doing a great job at this, this, and this. Then the meat of the sandwich, the, the hard thing yeah. has to come down. And you have to say that with, um, um, it, it depends on how hard and how, important the issue is but sometimes i've had to have tears in my eyes because yeah. my heart is never to hurt anyone yeah but i know some words are going to be stinging yeah um so the meat of the sandwich has to be given in that very low tone not so much um you know definitely not shouting definitely not you know listen to me and you know i'm the big cheese here and that kind of thing but just actually giving it to them to teach them something and then after the meat is out there then you put the other piece of bread on that sandwich which is another loving statement yeah you know somehow some way give them a love sandwich now when i do that i also look at how they receive hmm. that um, because if they choke on the meat, you know, they're not as mature as maybe I thought they would be, That's but good. if they chew on it and they yeah. swallow it, yeah. that goes, Oh man, they're really listening They're They have a teachable spirit. Yeah. So giving that love sandwich one way is on me. And yeah. then I watch and see how they chew it yeah, or good. choke on it. That's good. And then that tells me something about them. You know, something I do want to put out there because I love this statement that um, our general superintendent, Doug Clay, um, said this summer at one of the meetings of the, the general um, meetings that we had. And he said, if serving people is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Hmm, that's and good. I wrote that down and I have you know, kind of eaten that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Maybe that's good. You know, because some people in leadership think that serving is beneath us. And yeah. honestly, Aaron, that is leadership, that's is good. serving people. That is um, good. And it's in all kinds of ways, shapes, or forms. That's good stuff. And then do you follow that up? You've the, the, we went through that process of saying, did you follow that up? How do you follow that process up? Do you do you give them amount? I know it depends on the situation, maybe the conversation. Right. We'll go back to the 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 
professor with the flip-flops and, and, and yeah. the conversation with her. Did you come back to her in like 24 hours? Did you just wait till she approached you in the future? Because sometimes I think that's the, once you have a, a difficult, crucial conversation, and then how, how did you follow that? How do you follow that up after? Well, that person uh, actually chewed and ate that sandwich very well because I never had, she went and ordered new shoes <laughs> and she covered up the tattoo that she had. Right. And I never had to speak to that again. Yeah, but there good. are instances, how I would follow that up is I observe, yeah. you know, and then if that is not taken to heart and if it's not fixed, and I think in part of our, our plan, improvement plans that we have to put out there for some people we have a time frame so and it depends on what the situation is that needed and that was quickly corrected um but there are some times where i had another new faculty member who just really wasn't teaching well in the classroom and so we sat down and developed um uh, a plan where she would work on this and she would work on that and then we'd meet every so often. So there's maybe a time frame that we can follow up with it and say, okay, and if you need any more help, maybe I can get you another experienced faculty member outside of nursing yeah. um, to help you in another realm. So there's always those improvement plans that we can actually sit down and write out yeah. and agree to, but it's a mutual collaboration at that point. That's good. That's good. Susie, would you pray for our audience that, that God will use um, the conversations and the insight and wisdom that you've shared about um, self-belief, self-confidence, and stewardship, um, the insights you just shared about um, helping people in love and and having those crucial conversations, and then the resiliency and all that. It's, it's been super valuable. Would you pray for for us as we will process this. We, we want the podcast to not just be a dissemination of information, but the reality of to take the, what we've heard and put it into action. And so would you pray for, for, for the audience? Sure. Father, we just bring to you the audience right now that you have caused to tune in to this podcast. Lord, for some way, somehow, nothing is happenstance. You've caused it always to come in that they've needed to hear a word or something. Just illuminate that in their minds, in their hearts, help them to grow in you and help them to know that you're leading them every step of the way. And sometimes in leadership, it's painful and help them to understand that during that pain, you can be their comfort because you Holy Spirit are our sustenance, our comfort, and Lord, I pray for every woman that is tuned in. Leadership for women seemed to be a little bit more um, difficult, but Lord, we have to know who we are in you and that you have led us to such a time as this, just like Esther. And Father, we just ask that your will and your way and your Holy Spirit will touch and minister to every female person that has listened to this podcast and help them to know that they are not second rate. We are not that, but we have, you've had a plan uh, for our lives and you have really uh, distinguished us in ways that we cannot put under the carpet, but we have to give it back to you. And Lord, I just pray 
that everyone that ever listens to this podcast will just um, really get tuned in to something that you want to say to them specifically. Help them to know that being a good self-steward is of time and essence and their talents and not just money, but God, you've, you've given us time to relax. Help us to focus on what you've done for us, Jesus, as you came in and you are our example. You are our ultimate example in living life, in our career, in our personal lives, in relationships, everywhere there that we are. You have a plan. And so God, I just pray that you will just continue to minister to your people that you've called for such a time as this and where you have called them. Lord, you've led them and you've opened other doors maybe that they need to walk through. Help them to know and to, in all self-confidence, not arrogancy, but self-confidence that you will see them through. Now, God, I just pray that you will bless them and be with, with Aaron and his family. God, I just pray a blessing upon his life right now and their family, that you will guide and direct them through their lives and through the ministry that you have for them and protect everyone, Lord, in your own way. Help your kingdom come. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.